Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Excellence Cartel. Today we are joined by Nick Comodina, and today we're going to talk about men's mental health and why men do not seek help. Mm. We have some great topics, some really cool topics. Um, we're going to talk about everything from con- conventional therapies to non-conventional therapies to the lives that men might lead and why we don't seek out help from others. Um, but with that being said, last seven days, Jason, how's your last yeah. seven days been? Kind of a roller coaster, if I'm being honest. Um, my dad is progressing really, really fast with the Parkinson's, uh, and his is the kind with dementia. Um, so a lot of big decisions have to be made, and it's just happened very, very rapidly. Um, and they kind of warned us that it would, but I was hoping it wouldn't. So, you know, it's a lot of, I'm the only child. Um, so a lot of it's on me. My mom is asking me and what I think should be done. And it's a really hard thing. Like, you know, I told him they could move in the here, uh, we get nursing, but he doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to go to a home, but my mom can't keep taking care of him. So I don't know, man, it's tough. Um, otherwise though, like, you know, business is solid. Um, Signing a few clients, got my my mentorships are pretty much full. Uh, you know, my I've got five of them going right now. Um, so on that side, things are cool. Um, just kind of dealing with some family stress. It's just uh, just kind of sad, you know, just kind of a bummer. Yeah. Is there any reason why it's progressing faster? There's all different types of Parkinson's, unfortunately. Troy's dad has had Parkinson's for 15 years, and he used to be able to go to the gym, and he built muscle, and he was doing great for years. Now he's almost 80, and it's kind of catching him. But, you know, I thought at first, well, my dad will just get into the gym, get him on TRT, and everything will be fine. But he's got the one with dementia, and it's nasty. Um, So not only are you hunched over and shakes, you just don't recognize people. You're very uh, paranoid. It's, uh, It's tough. So... Okay. I'm sorry to hear that, man. That'll be my thoughts. Thanks. Jeffrey Sue, how's your last seven days, man? Are you uh, are we gonna race for slips? You ready to do this? <laughs> no, do last this? meet in Pennsylvania, baby. We'll meet in Pennsylvania. I'll do it. Last seven days have been great. Obviously, uh I uh signed the the title and paperwork for the uh, the Porsche. So that was supposed to be delivered Monday, but then I, I wanted to get ceramic um coating on it. So they're going to do that, and I'm going to pick it up tomorrow unless we get a snowstorm. Yes, we are getting a snowstorm in Massachusetts. So the only – so, like, obviously you're going to be able to drive this thing in the winter, will you? Yeah, yeah, it's all-wheel drive. Um, I can put snow tires on it, but I don't want to drive it home, like, the first time, like, in the snow. So I don't blame you. I wouldn't I wouldn't drive it out in winter and salt at all. Yeah, but that's just no, me. I just want to get it home, put it in my garage, and, like, that'll be it. And my Porsche sits from, like, December to March – yeah, exactly. I turn it. I I crank it up occasionally, keep the engine, but I I don't put it through all that. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> Other than that, you know, um, business is good. You know, I'm offering a Black Friday class sale. You know, that package that I always sell. I discounted some more. Hopefully, get some newer coaches who can you know afford that lower price point. Um, no discounts on my coaching though. Although I see a lot yeah. of people offering it, and I was. I was making a joke about it today, but I was just like, if you have a discount, if you need to run discounts, you have a perceived value problem, not a discount problem. So I hope people understand that. Um, Other than that, you know, I want to give a shout out to my client, Angelina, who um, went through a very grueling 10 week prep and she will be competing this weekend at a show in Long Island, which I will be attending in person. So uh, I had to push I had to pull her down really hard and she is a fucking champion for doing it. Other than that, you know, a lot of my clients are staying on for the holidays. Usually people drop off, but this year I have a roster of people who just want to work hard. And um, I love seeing that. Other than that, man, I had a really good conversation with Jose Raymond and Nate Tilo from Gym Hub. And I think it'll tie into our conversation today. And it was about shedding the underdog mentality. And Jose and Nate were just telling me, they're like, you post that picture of your Porsche, but don't post that shit anymore because it can make some people feel bad and make you unrelatable. Yep. And I've been saying that for years. And now you think they're right when I've said that to you for years. I'm not saying <laughs> you're wrong. I'm just saying enough people have told me. They're like, Jeff, you're not an underdog. Why anymore. do you think you haven't seen one picture of my new house? Other exactly. than the pool? Like, I know, but 
I'm internalizing that. I've been working on that with my therapist that I'm not the underdog. I'm not, I, I'm no longer the guy that needs to be like, oh yeah, I'll show you. Oh yeah, look at this. I don't need to do that anymore. And I need to stop doing it and shed that mentality because it'll, it'll make me look like an arrogant prick basically. And I don't want to look like that. So it ends like, as of that conversation, that part of me is dead. And I am approaching things without the underdog mindset. So, well, I'm glad you took my advice from five years ago because someone else gave it to you. <laughs> well, I was still an underdog five years ago. Yeah, but you still don't got to do, you know, be annoying and prove yourself like that. No, nah. but anyways, go on. Thank you, Jason. Anyways, I'm done. That's it. Yeah. Well, do you at least like the car? Huh? Do you at least like the car? No, I, I love the car. It, it's okay. everything that I ever dreamed okay. of. Yeah. You deserve that. You deserve that. See, my last seven days have been pretty good. I hosted a bourbon trail party at my house with my 11 closest friends here in Nashville. Um, we put out nine different bourbons. I made the dreadful mistake of going through the trail twice. So um, I did not feel good at all Sunday. Um, but other than that, it was a great time. Um, we watched the UFC fight, a lot of good brotherhood uh, time. And then we're planning another one for Top Golf here in February. So it's cool that got a local group of friends here that I, uh, get to hang out with. And then that man just work just seems like it's just like fire right now. I'm getting hit with all directions. So I'm just like trying to breathe through it and just be like, I don't have time, but I do have time. So, you know, that aggressive patience mentality. Um, but today um, we got to talk about Jeff, do we move the coaching consortium, right? Yes. So for our listeners who have signed up for the coaching consortium, that online seminar, we have to move it to April. And I will be sending an email out as soon as we all meet and decide on the exact date. We just thought that it was too close to PEC in retrospect. And all of the presenters have a lot of other projects going on. So in order to deliver top-notch presentations, we need a little more time to work on things. So I'll be announcing something soon. And then we have the Physique Education Collective. This is uh, January 27th, 28th, Tampa. If you guys are interested, everything's on the excellencecartel.com. All the information. We'll be sharing more of the flyer, more of the stuff. So be sure to come and join us. Uh, the seats are limited to 50 um, from what we're understanding for this one. That being said, Nick, man, this is my first time getting to meet you. I know you uh, know Jay from background. Same with Jeff. We were both talking about hiring you for business coaching after hearing your stellar <laughs> numbers and all that. But um, how's your last seven days been, man? They've been they've been pretty amazing. I definitely made a lot of changes earlier on in this year and seeing those compound effects start to happen. We just recently launched our mastermind, which is basically an ongoing group coaching type of incubator for entrepreneurs, business owners, people who don't know what their purpose is to kind of help them with their own leadership development, learn business strategies, sales strategies, investment strategies, uh, how to rewire your subconscious. So it's basically a way of mass mass helping people that can't necessarily afford to work with us one-on-one. -on -one. So that's been really cool, but there's been a lot of work building something to hold that many things in that capacity, but it's been amazing. Dude, that's pretty legit. Anything else you'd like to talk about these last seven days? Like my Tennessee Vols that beat the Missouri Tigers in amazing fashion. I mean, what are they interested in? Anything cool happen? <laughs> Honestly, my, my life is pretty boring for most. That's I, good though. It's a good problem to have. Yeah. If, if somebody was trying to kill me, they'd have a really easy time because my schedule is extremely <laughs> I don't really make yep, things I get up, it. You know, but, uh, you know, for the most part, we, uh, my birthday was actually yesterday. So, oh, well, happy birthday. Friend, Scorpio, right? Scorpio. Scorpio. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. So, my girlfriend got some friends together. We went to sushi for dinner and it was nice. We went to the mountains this weekend up in Idlewild. And where's that? California. I don't oh, know. Okay. I mean, you're like, California. Yeah. California. It's just up in the mountains. <laughs> right, yeah. But that, that, it was a cool little getaway. Yeah. Um, so today, before we actually started recording, we were talking, you know, today's topic is men's mental health. And you were saying something very interesting that you're doing 200K a month in business and you had the car, you had the house, you just had this, this life that everyone that they see on Instagram like salivates over and you didn't fucking want it. And you were miserable. Let's talk about that real quick. Cause I, I think that's where you can begin unpacking about men's mental health because you know, 84 suicides, men kill themselves or 84 suicides happen a week. Men, 75% of all suicides is male. Um, I'm doing a lot of uh, stuff with my jam for creative vets.org. 
um, raising money. That's why I shaved off my beard and I have a beautiful mustache that those two don't like. But it's a beautiful stash. Ah, thank you. I appreciate that, Nick. That made me, my day is now made. A good looking man, compliment to my mustache. But I think the three of us, especially now, including you four, I can relate to that. Like I can say the super didn't make me any happier when I got it. Sure, it's nice to drive around, but it was just something I checked off of a list now. Mm -hmm. And it almost was fulfilling, but now it's like unfulfilling when I reflect on it. But Mm -hmm. I'm curious, you have the life that a lot of people chase. What made you not like it? What made you like just break down, I guess. So this is a story I've shared frequently since it happened. And I, I really did convince myself or not convince. I, I made a promise to myself that getting out of that, I was going to share that story a lot because I know a lot of men struggle with everything that I struggled with. And I think that right now in society, more than ever, it's always been this way, but more than ever, money is status. And men need to do a better job at this, but also women need to do a better job at this because men are told by women that they want them to be emotional. They want them to show themselves. They want them to open up and and show the true version of them. And then when they do that, women see them as weak and then they aren't attracted to them anymore. And men have these very interesting lines that they need to walk in on both sides of society. If you don't show enough emotions, you're not emotionally equipped enough. If you close off your emotions, you're too hard and stubborn. And if you show too much, people leave. If you don't show enough, people leave. If If you do things this way, people judge you. If you do things this way, you're an asshole. And so men have this just immense amount of, or not immense, this very thin line they have to walk on to what's perceived by all sides of society as a man that is worth the title, quote unquote, of man. And we tie so much of our self-worth as men in money and success and mountains that we climb. Like we're, we're genetically engineered to conquer But nowadays, if we want to conquer too much, we're bad and we're toxic and people can't handle that. And you're a manipulator and all you care about is money. You're a narcissist. But then if you don't have enough money, people see somebody else as higher in status than you who has more money. And so it's all of these contradicting paradoxes. And our nervous systems are just not met from an evolutionary standpoint. Our nervous systems are not equipped to handle the amount of information and stimulus that comes in every single day let alone ping-ponging back and forth on what is actually going to make me worthy as a man. And so when we are not aligned with a purpose as a man, we start to devote ourselves to maintaining or gaining a status by society standards and more than likely by the standards of the people that are closest to us. And so if you are in a circle of people and everybody is focusing on money, then the only way that you can have a perceived alpha of that is who is making the most amount of money. And so what I realized it, where, where I lived at the time, everybody was just talking about money. That was it. And so I was also following all of these investors and these guys who were crypto millionaires and billionaires, and they were driving all these fancy cars and they seemed to have on paper. I was looking at their social media going, man, these guys have the fucking life. So if I can create that for myself, then I'll also have the fucking life. And during this time, I, I found myself putting so much of my efforts outside of developing myself, there's, there's pillars in life, right? You need four walls to a house. You need four pillars to scale a life off of. And I really believe though, you know, the stereotypical mind, body, soul, and then wealth or business. Those are the four pillars to build your life off of. And what most people do, at least what I did was I did health and wealth, right? I did body and wealth. I didn't do mind and soul. It was a lot easier for me to get jacked, do a ton of steroids and hope that that was going to give me self-worth. It was a lot easier to build those pillars of my, of my business and my health and, and distract myself in monetary gain. Uh, it was almost like a monetary masturbation. If you want to look at it that way, it was the only way, ah, I was yeah. get, only way I was able to get a release and a dopamine hit was seeing the numbers in my bank account go up, seeing more client yeah. signs, seeing how much money buying supercars, all of these things buying. I was, I became such a consumer Instagram ad. I'll buy it. Fuck it. I got the money. I can do whatever I want. And eventually you build up those two pillars so high that they start to get the wobbles because the other two aren't there to support it fully. And then they crumble. And then when men tie all of their self-worth to what they look like and how much money they make, when that crumbles, we lose everything. And we have this crisis, but then we get obsessed with rebuilding it back up. And so we never take the time to pause. We just want to regain our lost status as fast as possible. We don't ever want to stop and look at the rubble and say, okay, wait a minute. Maybe this was a me thing. We want to rebuild as fast as we can before anybody else notices that we've lost our status. And then we're going to be seen as weak or, 
or a loser or a failure because then everybody else is going to be better than us and we're never going to catch that respect again. You guys have anything you want to chime in on that? That's fucking deep, man. And yeah. I, I don't know, Jason, do you want to go first? I, I saw you. Well, I mean, I, you know, I, I I think, I mean, that, that kind of kind of cuts deep, you know, like I can't yeah. say that I'm not too far from what Nick was, you know, dealing with when he was in Texas and making all the cash. Um, I, I, I mean, if I'm being honest, yeah, I put a lot of, uh, emphasis on my, my physique, my, my body, and, and then on my wealth. Um, every guy does as far as my mind and soul. Um, you know, I do read some, but I don't read like Jeff Black does. Um, I definitely don't know that I do anything for soul. I'm not even sure what the hell that means. Praying, going to church. I really don't freaking we'll know. Dive, I'll dive into that. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't say I'm unhappy, but I do feel like I'm kind of sort of caught in a rat race. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on a, on a, on a hamster wheel every day, I got to get up. I got to be at my computer. I got to start the day early. If I don't, it's all fucked up. Cause I got 5,000 emails. Yep. So, you know, but then I think, well, there's so many other people that have it way worse jobs and shitty jobs and they're not making good money. And so I'm like, it is what it is, but you know, can I, I, can, I can I interrupt you real quick? Yeah, Jason? definitely. So look, this is something that every single man does. And what's crazy is without even realizing it, you just gaslit yourself. You just said, this is what I, you just said, this is what I struggle with, but people have it way worse than me. So therefore what I'm actually struggling with as a man shouldn't matter because I got the analogy. I see the, I see the framework there. We gaslight the fuck out of ourselves our whole life because men need to be strong. Yeah. And like that fucking, like that hurt my fucking feelings. No man would ever say that because, ah, you know, people have it worse people do this people do that men have such a hard time saying this bothers me i don't like that i want to be loved i want to feel loved i want to be happy i'm fucking stressed i'm working myself to the bone i'm a prisoner to my job and i'm convincing myself that it's just what i have to do and yet i'm perpetuating this downward spiral of getting more and more burnt out and i'm so burnt out i don't have enough energy of myself to give to the relationships in my life so they're starting to falter and now i don't have anybody who actually loves me and all i really want as a man is for somebody to fucking hold me and say they care about me and love me but i'm too man enough to admit that and so i'm going to continue to keep myself depressed and i'm going to keep pushing and the only thing i know how to do which is killing myself in business because maybe that validation will be enough to fill all of these holes that society has created for me yeah yeah. All right, guys. This was a great sorry, podcast. I feel like right uh, I'll sorry, check you out next I'm week. Passionate about this. <laughs> I mean, Nick. Yeah, yeah. That's why I brought him on. I knew he was. Nick, you definitely get it. I mean, I'm start. I mean, I'm 38 now, and I can say, Nick, that my relationships were more pure and more fulfilling when I didn't have my business and when mm. I was just coming up. And I, I've said it many times before where. I missed the version of myself where I was like bright eyed and bushy tail and said, Oh, I'm, I'm going to build this coaching business. I'm going to do this one day. That version of me was far more innocent and lovable than the person that I am now where I have a lot more anxiety. And like you said, I've built those two pillars up as well. And I've noticed that the quality of my relationships has declined tremendously. And it's harder for me to make friends because I think people are using me, Um, for money or to be associated with me or using me for free advice or whatever. It's very hard for me to trust people. And like you said, it's very hard for me to give my time. And a lot of the women that I've met, you know, they've all said that I'm a narcissistic prick or like I'm a workaholic. Every fucking woman says that now you're a narcissist. I'm like, tell me a new word. Call me asshole. That'd be better. And I don't know if they're right or wrong, but like, you know, sometimes I think they are right, you know, because I'm so obsessed with like, with building this business, you know, I just bought a car, you know, that I've always wanted, but still it's like, you're right. You know, well, but let's, sorry, I'm go trying, ahead. I'm trying yeah. to, to pull that back. And I, I got the house, I got the car and I busted my ass this year for it. But next year I kind of just want to chill. I don't want to buy shit. Like I don't, I don't nowhere near the amount of money that you've made Nick, but you know, I do, I do really well. You do really than- well. <laughs> you're in the 1%. I mean, you do really well. Yeah, so it's hard, man. But you're you're really striking at the heart here. I fucking feel I know, it. right? Well, th- this is uh, this is why I I got and I still fitness coach. I have my my fitness clients that I'll be with forever. But I stopped f- 
focusing on growing my fitness coaching company because I saw. Well, hold started, on. You have coaches under you, right? But you yourself have kind of branched off. Is that correct? Yeah, I still have co coaches work with me, um, but I don't I don't have like I'm not pushing for my fitness company to grow anymore. OK, because my 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 purpose has evolved as I have healed. If that makes sense. And so my own healing allowed me to see, holy shit, this is what's really wrong. And the, the fitness industry really turns me off, especially in the competition space. Everybody is super judgmental. Everybody hops from coach to coach. My last coach yeah, was the yeah. worst. My new coach is the best. And it's just this, this, this echo chamber of enablement for people to not have responsibility or actually not work on themselves. And so when I first started bodybuilding and taking steroids, it was because I fucking hated myself. And so I started perpetuating that into my coaching and I saw all these other people who literally hated themselves that they were not stage lean. And all of these coaches were just like, yeah, I'll bank on it. Let me just make all this money by keeping people in this fucking cycle of their misery. And I was like, fuck this, dude. What you guys just said, I'm making all this money, but like, you know, you're tearing at the heartstrings. I feel this. I'm, I'm lost in my business and people call me this and that. Every single person struggles with this, not just men and women. Men, I will argue, definitely struggle with it more. As a species, men derive their worth to the money that they make. Women derive yep. men's worth to the money that they make. A woman can try to tell me otherwise, but if a man is homeless and he has a great personality, she's not going to date him. <laughs> yeah, it's what? That's well, such a lie, Nick. <laughs> no, that's not true. Okay, Nick, that's not true. I want to hear the Massachusetts view. Here's the thing, Nick. I have seen like some pretty deadbeat, like like awful looking dudes pulling some. Pretty good looking top women, if you want to call it that. Mm. And it's purely based off of just, you know, personality because the women want to fix them or whatever. <laughs> they hit it on the head, fix them. You hit it on the head. What you described as a trauma response, bro. I, yeah. yeah. Trauma bonded, baby. Yeah. Time connecting with women, pulling up in my car now or wearing my Rolex or, or having the business or whatever. I have a harder time meeting quality women now than I did before when I didn't have any of this stuff. I think it's because you're so busy though, man. Like you work like what, 12 hour days? Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm going so to challenge this again. Yeah. Oh, I have, a, I have a harder time doing this now that I have this, 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 and this. Your possession of an object is not dictating whether or not you have the ability to connect with somebody. It's the perception of yourself with or without it that dictates how you have a connection with somebody. That's so true. who you used to be was a lot more outgoing, a lot more open and had that raw masculine exterior going on that was grounded. And now there's so much stress involved with it that you're not as grounded because there's so many different things pulling you different directions. And that's harder for women to be attracted to. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'll admit, like sometimes I'll be on like a first date and I'll be on my phone on Instagram. <laughs> Yeah. And so it's not it's not the Porsche, bro. I'm like selling classes and stuff. And I remember <laughs> I just tell this one it's story. the dopamine you need. I just want to tell this one story. I remember this one time I was at a house party. I was like maybe 22. I just got my first job and I met this girl, Lisa, and we were drinking like Pabst Blue Ribbon, sitting on top yes. of one of the brown uh, brownstones in Boston, overlooking Fenway. And there was music playing. There's a party going downstairs, and we were talking about what we wanted to do with our lives. And it was just the most pure, like, genuine connection that I, one of the purest connections I've ever encountered in my life. And and I have never had that since. And I'll be honest, when I'm on Instagram, I'm not looking at the cars or the homes. I'm looking at the, the couple photos that people are posting, like the anniversary or they got married or, you know, family stuff. I'm like, I wish I had that because mm -hmm. I don't. Mm -hmm. But that goes back to, like he was saying before, like, when we when we build those pillars up and not be a, a well-rounded person that that can start to affect those relationships yeah well we we're only ever going to be able to connect with people the depth that we can connect with ourselves that's been a tried and true statement throughout the course of time and so anytime that we are chasing external which unfortunately men are trained to do we are trained to chase the external and shut off the internal don't yeah. cry be a man yep Right. You need to lead. You need to have to go to college, get a good job. Got to everything. Get, you want a nice house. You want nice cars. I mean, that's the stuff they're always told to me. And, and well, we're preconditioned from a very hyper masculine and hyper masculine is not good. Just like hyper femininity is not good. We want to have a balance in between because men have femininity in them as well. And women have masculinity. That's why feminism is 
fucking hysterical. But well, that's a whole other. That's a whole other. Conversation. Yeah, that's an argument that we all in your fire over. But well, I'm all not, for having not, you back on to have it. It's not even really an argument. It's not even really an argument, right? Feminism in itself is just toxic masculinity being embodied by women. That's all it right, is. Yep. But nobody right. wants to have that conversation. No, it's anyways, not on. Anyways, hyper feminine or hyper masculinity is what we all were preconditioned from. Wake up at five a.m. Don't go to bed till midnight. Work as hard as you fucking can. If you want to give up, you're a fucking pussy. If you cry, nobody's gonna love you. You need to be a man. You need to lead your. You need to lead your family. Which, in a in a sense, I still agree is true. Men still need to be able to regulate their emotions, make decisions during chaos, and lead people. But nowadays, with society and how much stimulus there is, and how many you know, even just options there are, and how many different things come out, and how people will read one Instagram caption and think that that's what they need to dedicate their whole lives to. And so if a man is acting a certain way because he's having an emotionally hard day and his woman goes and reads something on Instagram that says, if a man ever says this and this, then he's not for you and you need to be aligned. And then she'll read that and go, oh my God, it was on Instagram. It must be true. We shouldn't be together. God damn, so, that sounds like my ex-relationship. <laughs> but we, confirmation bias is everywhere now, which makes it incredibly hard to actually push through things that make us uncomfortable in relationships. And so most people just give up and leave. Nobody wants to sit and fix things anymore. Damn straight, man. Nobody gets it. We will, we will, we would rather, if we're only comfortable going to level five in a relationship, when we get into a relationship that's level five, once it starts to break past that, we start to find everything wrong with it and we self-sabotage or we leave and we say, this isn't serving me so we can go back to a new relationship and start from level one again, because level one through five journey is what we know is comfortable and it's what excites us, but nobody wants to actually push their own barriers and their own growth spiritually, mentally, and emotionally in a relationship anymore, because then they have to see parts of themselves that they do not want to see because a relationship mirrors back you to you, especially if you're in the right person. And that can be really triggering for people who don't know who the fuck they are. So they run because our whole lives are spent running from ourselves anyways, but we convince ourselves we're running towards money, cars, this, that, but we're actually just running from ourselves. And that's just an easy excuse for us to run quote unquote towards something. Damn. Uh, you've mentioned spiritual twice. Well, what do you mean earlier on? You said stuff for the soul. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm curious, elaborate on that for our audience. Cause I feel like going down this spiritual path is probably good. I yeah. to hear your thoughts. Yeah. So basically the best way I can describe this is my own journey. So I started with the physical and that was what I thought was going to solve all my problems. And I, <laughs> I ended up taking trend for like 32 weeks straight. It was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> but so I got jacked and shredded and my mental health was trash and I didn't really have any personal development. And I was just this really cocky. Well, a lot of people might say I'm still this cocky asshole. That's okay. But I was just this really cocky asshole who thought he was the best of the best and nobody was better than me and all these things. And then I actually started stopping and questioning myself. It was just having finally stopping and taking everything I thought as absolute. And I just started asking myself, is that true? Why do I think that way? And I started uncovering all these parts about my psych that I was thinking and, and these beliefs and these loops that I had caught myself in. And then I thought, oh, my God, I cracked the fucking code. I, like, I'm, the, I'm the fucking best. Holy shit. And then I started coaching my fitness clients with fitness and personal development. And I started combining it together. And then I was like, I'm the fucking best coach on the planet. Nobody's ever going to be better than me. And then I went through a really nasty time in my life. And I've actually had the last, the last three, not my current one that I'm in, but my last three relationships have all resulted in me being cheated on and it being like really, 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 really fucking bad. And, um, that was the first one that happened back then. And I, I crumbled as a man. I didn't know how to handle it. It was the first thing that ever happened to me. And that was when I started having my walls up as a man after that, just like, just like, uh, you said, Jeff, like when I first started when I was that version of myself, I was happy. I was fun. I was myself. I was so easy for me to connect with people. I didn't have pain. I didn't have trauma. I didn't have anxiety. I didn't have past experiences that, that plague us. And we go, Oh, this looks exactly like what happened to me before. And then we retreat and it just started plaguing my mind. And my, my head was just filled with chaos and my heart was completely shut off. And I, I just, I, couldn't connect with anything, let alone myself. And people were leaving left and right, even as clients, because they were just saying, you don't, you don't even care about me. It's just, it's just a, a number transaction. And I was so fucked up in the head from 
being hurt by the one person I loved more than anything else that I was like, what? it just didn't make sense to me. Like, yeah, of course, I'm just going to be numbers to you. Like, of course, that's what I'm going to do. Why would I connect with you when that can happen if I connect with someone? And so I stopped connecting with people. I stopped connecting with myself. But it wasn't until I started kind of meditating a little bit just to to try it out. And I started getting these pretty crazy visuals really quick and naturally found out that I have this relative psychic gift of sight when I meditate, which has been pretty cool. But I, as I started kind of getting obsessed with exploring this, this spiritual realm and understanding even chakra points and understanding how different energies actually can manifest physically in your body and understanding how cancer cells can actually produce from negative anxious thought patterns. And they can be reversed by the opposite thought patterns and how everything, every cell in your body has its own magnetic force field that all connect and talk with each other and how your mind can literally influence the world around you. It started just making me become obsessed. And then I found psychedelics. And then I started going deep dive down in the psychedelics and all these plant medicines. And fast forward all of that to this year, um, when my most recent relationship ended, there was a lot of cheating involved on both sides. It was just, it was such a toxic relationship. Neither of us wanted to face the truth. And so we kept running from it and kept finding ourselves in situations that we weren't supposed to be in. And there is truly no, there's no place more dangerous than a situation that you're not supposed to be in. Right. So that ended. And that was when all hell broke loose. I mean, social media chose sides and everyone starts to cast in stones and something told me for once in my life to stop going outward. Like stop chasing the growth, stop trying to rebuild, stop trying to even defend yourself. Just stop and actually go internal this time. Actually be still like it does. And I found God this year as well by doing so. Um, But while all this chaos was going on outside, instead of me reacting to it, like most people feel they have to do, I just said, I'm going to go in. Cause that's the only thing I can control. And it, it almost felt as if this just protective bubble formed around me. Hmm. Like almost everything stopped. I stopped getting any sort of anything. And it was this just cracking open with that pain that allowed me to see these, these deep rooted shadows and these deep rooted pains and all of these little versions of me, these little boys, my inner childs that have been abandoned by me throughout my whole life that had been just desperately waiting for me to acknowledge them and them to be seen again. And so we constantly chase other people in our lives as men, because we abandon ourselves throughout our lives because we're not supposed to feel pain. We're not supposed to be sad. We're not supposed to be scared. And so what I realized about my childhood and all of these things that had happened to me was I was gaslighting those versions of myself. How many men do this shit? Oh, yeah, like my childhood was fine. Like I had a roof over my head and I had food in my stomach. Yeah. But that little boy was fucking terrorized. He was scared. He was confused. He got fu- he was fucked up. Shit happened to him that shouldn't happen from a parent. But I'm sitting here telling that version of myself, you had a roof over your head. You had food in your belly. What are you crying for? And I was treating these versions of me just like the society that we're trying to get out of. So I'm actually perpetuating the cycle instead of learning how to break it. And the first time I learned how to actually break it was going in spiritually. Can you talk about what you do when you meditate and what you mean by psychic like visions or, or maybe I, sure. I, I, I might've quoted you wrong on that. No, no, that's, that's fine. I, um, so when I meditate, I just sit, I just sit, close my eyes. I focus on my breath. And okay. as I've gotten better at clearing out, cause I think a lot of people, when they start to meditate, they start convincing themselves, well, my mind races too much. I have too many thoughts. I have too much shit to get done. So I can't meditate. Sounds like me. <laughs> well, the whole point of meditating is to be mindful of your mind. And so 
when I'm sitting there meditating and I'm, and I'm thinking, man, I've got so much shit to do. Instead of that, I ask myself, why am I not allowing myself to stop thinking about that? And then, I, and then I, and then I kind of transcend above that chaos a little bit. And then I'm sitting there and go, well, you know, next week I got to do this and go, why does that matter to me right now? And then it just, it kind of just slowly moves me up like a hot air balloon. And eventually I get to this space where there's no thoughts. And from there, for me, I have really, if I, if I focus in and I'm in the zone, I mean, I get like 4k movie visions, <laughs> crystal clear visions. And I mean, there's even times with my current partner and I, she'll be out doing that. And we're, we are very, very, very connected on a, on a spiritual level. We've done a lot of work together and she can be out doing something and I will get visions of what she's seen. Oh, wow. And I'll be able to know what she's doing without even knowing that without her even telling me that she's doing it. It's hmm. very, it's been very interesting. And it was something that I didn't really understand or think too much about until I started researching it. And I was like, Oh, okay. There's some sort of thing there. I don't really know what you would call it, but that's just kind of what happens to me personally. So if someone wanted to work on that side of them, uh, meditation seemed to be like something that worked really well for you. How would you start a meditation practice? Would it be twice a week for 20 minutes? Would it be every day for 10 minutes? What's your recommendation? I think that this is where a lot of people fuck up with everything is, and this is a man thing. Give me a list. Tell me what to do so I can check the box and know that <laughs> yeah. I'm getting the task done, right? That is us at our masculine core. Yeah. And we're all about the doing. And in order to really get into the spiritual, you have to be more about the being. Okay. And so instead of saying, I'm going to do this every day for this amount of time, it's us really just allowing ourselves to be in ourselves without a distraction for however long we need to. And if we need to structure that, that's fine. But a lot of times when we convince ourselves, well, I have to do this for five, you know, 10 minutes every day, it starts becoming a, oh, well, I got to do this for 10 minutes. And then we're sitting there thinking this 10 minutes is going to be over soon and then I can get out of it because we are so conditioned that everything needs to have a purpose. I need to be moving forward because my status is at risk. I don't have time for 10 minutes. What if I lose money? What if I lose status? <laughs> yeah. Right. What if I don't get back to this client fast enough and then they get pissed and they leave me and then they start bad mouthing me. And then I lose, you know, my, my reputation as a coach. It's all these fucking crazy things because we are so preconditioned that if we do not have the utmost pinnacle success and our reputation is the above all number one, nobody can say anything bad about us. Then we are lesser as a man. So, you know, I, I think, um, I think I might've told you this cause guys, you don't know the background, but, uh, I, I helped Nick, which is like, nutrition coaching he I used to work with me and then he did my mentorship mm -hmm. but I quickly found out that he had all these great insights um and so one time I I think I shared this with you um in my 20s and 30s I didn't have those voices in my head that mm -hmm. people have like I thought I did everything right and like everything was moving smoothly through my life I went to law school I got a job I had a good house I had a wife you know, all these things were done right. I never had these negative voices. Then I get in my 40s, end up divorced, um, you know, all a bunch of different things going on. And now I've got all these just voices in my head that uh, I can't always quiet. And I'm like, why the hell am I thinking that? Why am I doing that? They're and demons. I don't know why at 40 it's happening. Uh, maybe you have insight, but like, um, I, I, you know, I'll think that, you know, the divorce was all my fault, you know, when there's two to tango, but, but I'll sit there and dwell on that for 20 minutes and, you know, just other things. You're not doing enough as a dad. I never really thought that way, but it's just all these different things that are hitting me in my forties. And I don't know if you get older, you just are more introspective or there's something else to it. But uh, I've noticed that those voices just, I have a hard time quieting anymore. Well, I guess the best way I could describe this that would make sense for a fitness podcast is mm -hmm. when you're in the gym and you're training, mm -hmm. right? If I did six sets a week on a muscle group, it's not that big of a deal. But if I compound that over 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, well, I start, I start seeing a return on that investment. And so if we look at that on the flip side of, well, I have emotions, I'm going to push them down. I'm going to push them down. I'm going to push them down right now. There's not an, the, the load's not that heavy right now. So I can keep, I can keep fit and shit inside of me. And then eventually 10 years, 20 years down the road, 
that chaos that we've pushed down that we've never convinced ourselves we're allowed to process, scream, cry, yell, be held. It starts to stack up and there's all this internal chaos and, you know, everybody's, everybody's searching for peace. Yeah. That's really what we want as men. We don't want, I mean, we, we do want to conquer. It's, it's our, it's our masculine core to conquer, but it's also the masculine's role to protect, to provide. We all want peace. Mm -hmm. We want financial stability. We want to have a partner that loves us, that sees us, that we can be ourselves around and that we don't have to worry if some weird shit's going on. But this society makes it so fucking hard because we hold everything. And peace is not an addition problem. It's not, what do I have to add? What do I have to start doing? What do I have to buy? Peace is a subtraction problem. It's what do I have to let go of that's no longer serving me? And that's how we find peace. But if we continue to hold on to all of these things, the only thing we're keeping in place is actually ourselves while the rest of the world is moving past us. And we wonder why we find ourselves not where we're supposed to be. Um, do you guys have any other questions? Because I want to hear about the psychedelics and I know Jeff Black probably does too, but if you guys have other things. I have one more question. So like for me, Nick, it's never been about conquering things. And I've always had introspection. Like Jeff and Jason know that I'm a very emotional person. Mm. Yeah, uh, I love you though. I I I am fine with expressing emotion. I've never had a problem with that. I'm really good with powerful and all that. But my issue is that I like to build. I like to create things and like dreams into reality. That's like a creation too. Like I always love Legos. Like I I liken it to building like a Lego castle or a car. Well, that's 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 conquering. Conquering doesn't mean we control everybody. It means I have something and I need I need to conquer that that task. Okay, so, right. so how do you like? Like, how do you start to take, like you said, it's about subtracting stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So what can I subtract so that in my mind, I'm not thinking I need to make, you know, 75K a month or my business needs to grow from a half a million business to a million dollar business. How do you, how do you stop that? Because I, I, I make plenty of money for a single guy. I'm not married. I don't have any kids, but I just can't shut that off. You know, how do you, how do you do that? So I think that the there's an opposite side of this that we should look at. I don't think that we should want to shut that off, but I think that we need to channel it in a more efficacious manner. And so I think that a lot of times we will try to grow our company because we convince ourselves, well, this is what I have to do. It has to keep growing because once I get to X, then I'll finally have Y. And so instead of just saying, hey, this is me as Jeff, this is what I was put here to do. And anything worth doing for me as a man is worth doing to the best of my ability, as long as it doesn't take away from the other pillars of my life. Mm -hmm. And so if I know that, if I know that my my purpose, if I know what my purpose is, then my passions can change over time because my passions are just portals that allow me to channel my purpose through into the world. And so for me, that was personal training, then it was a gym, then it was fitness coaching, now it's the entrepreneurship, and now it's the mastermind, right? My passions have changed, but my purpose is the same, which is how can I add value to people and help them develop themselves as a leader, mm-hmm. right? That's my purpose. And so if my purpose is there, that breeds obsession. But if we solely rely on passion, if I'm passionate about my business, I'm going to get stomped out. The second I have a negative wave of business and and it kind of goes backwards a little bit, I'm going to give up. I'm going to go do something else. But when you're obsessed, it doesn't it doesn't matter. It doesn't right. matter what happens. I just have to keep going because uh, obsession is just passion that's been reinforced over time with pain. And that when when somebody is obsessed, you cannot stop them. If I'm obsessed at adding value to as many people as I can when I'm there, you can't stop me. I could be broke. I could be under a bridge. And if somebody talks to me, I'm going to show up that way because that is what my purpose is. Uh And if that compounds into a million, two million, three million, $10 million business, then that is just me showing up knowing if, if you woke up every day, Jeff, and knew that you were doing exactly what you were put on this earth to do by God, would you be pushing harder than what you're pushing right now? Um, would I push harder? No, well, I, was, I, I wasn't, I wasn't like asking you to answer. I was just saying like, those are the questions to ask yeah. yourself, right? If I knew I was doing exactly what God designed me to do while I was here, then that'd be good. Right. But you have to continue to let that compound over time because you're not meant to just help the amount of people you're helping right now. Right. You're meant to help more people. 
-hmm. You're too young for your life to be over. Right. And so our goal is just continuous climbing for the sake of our purpose, not for the sake of a status. Does that make sense? So I think a lot of people push because they want more status instead of just pushing it. Because I, I use this example for people. Would you rather have a million dollars in the bank account or a million people that you've served? A million people. Right. And if you focus on serving a million people, or people, you're going to have more than a million dollars in your bank account. But yeah. you're going to have to push a lot harder than just getting a million dollar business because a million people serve. That's a fucking hard feat. And if you're obsessed with helping a million people, you're going to be pushing your business significantly harder than if you're just ch chasing monetary status. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, me personally, I, I made the shift and, you know, the listeners know this, but like I started offering free workshops with people mm -hmm. and I just donate two hours of my time once a quarter just to help people. You know, I don't have any expectations. Yeah, that's amazing. Or whatever. And it's given me a lot more back. Like I feel better about myself than just charging people for consult calls and, and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, acting, living your life in acts of service is what life's about. If our life is just self-oriented, then we're not living to serve, which means we're actually by definition of the Bible sinning. A mm -hmm. sin is to miss the point of life. And the point of life is to be of service to others, in my opinion. But that still doesn't mean I think people can twist that and say, well, you know, I'm here to be of service. So I, I shouldn't be pushing my business to make more money. You know, at the end of the time, I, at the end of the day, I can dedicate my time where I choose to. But if you want to work with me one on one, my time is extremely fucking valuable. I have big things that I need to get done here. You're going to compensate me for that. Money is a very, very uh, taboo thing, but it's also not real. It is just a, an agreed upon exchange yeah. of value that enough people looked at and said, yes. Right. If, if we look at how gold came around, right? I pictured Neanderthals digging through dirt and they found this shiny gold bar and they were like, this is what we're going to dedicate our lives to. <laughs> That was it. And then enough people said, yeah, you know what? You're right. We will dedicate our lives to that. And now it runs our entire fucking lives. And you yeah. can ask men all day long. Hey, if money were no object, would you still do what you were doing? Sure, sure. No, you wouldn't. Because <laughs> Fuck if, no, I wouldn't. if money wouldn't exist, then we would just find a new object to dedicate our lives to. Yeah. But if we can make our purpose that object, then no other outside influence can dictate how we show up and how hard we push. All right, let's go down the rabbit hole of psychedelics. So I was kind of, I got three strikes for you, you know, strike one was I was born, my legs broken. So no one helped me for the first six weeks of my life. Cause I was screaming bloody murder. The second one was I had a bone structure device put on my leg and they started doing a radical turn at which point I told them to stop. And their solution was to pile more people on me until they shattered my leg. Strike three was my first step ever after that there, after that surgery, I broke my leg again and had to go back in for another surgery. Um, so my walk with God has been very distant because I don't like to talk to things that don't talk back to me. And, um, when I hit 32, I didn't tell, well, I was what, 31 at the time. I didn't tell soul before I was about to, I swallowed a bunch of pills. Like, I can just went over the lake over by where I lived at the time, opened up a sunroof, my RX-8, normal Metallica, woke up with vomit in my mouth. So obviously I was meant to kind of go through that. Go through the conventional therapy, go through the mental breakdown assessment. You know, you're bipolar, this, you're schizo, you know, these, all these labels they give pill, you, pill, which is, pill. yeah, you're got narcissistic personality disorder. I'm like, well, fuck yeah, I got to believe in myself at a high, really high level after breaking my leg in my first step. And then <clears throat> it dawned on me, it started clicking when I got to about 30, late 30, I was about 36. And my oldest son used to cuddle with me all the time and I fucking couldn't stand it. And I was like, there's something really wrong with this. Like he, he's a love bug. He'd be all on me. I'd be like, holy shit. Why? Oh my God. He's been on me for five minutes. You know what I mean? It really freaked me out. <clears throat> um, and then I just read a book called Stealing Fire. And then I immediately found an article about the John Hopkins study. So I started dabbling and I've done over a hundred hits full on macro doses of LSD and shrooms. So I've walked, I've smoked peyote, I've done DMT, I've done every psychedelic you could get your hands on except for 5-MDO. Um, and I can tell you this, I believe more in something on the other side, whether it be God or whatever it is, after doing psychedelics mm -hmm. and being okay. healed. Um, and what I mean by that is like, I came to peace with understanding trauma and the mm -hmm. sense like that that is just things like I had to go through. I was able to package it and put it away. So I relate psychedelic use to, and I talked about this in my book because I'm sending it over to my editor and had to kind of like clean up some notes. 
but I compared it to a room with a bunch of files on the floor and you have a filing cabinet and psychedelics helped me order those files mm-hmm. back in. Maybe not perfectly, but it helped me put it in a place along with neurolinguistic programming to be able to set it off to where I never had to really worry about it. And that ship has sailed. Mm-hmm. I can say, because this makes a lot of quote unquote Christians who tend to judge, you know, throw salt at me for taking these drugs and then talking about spirituality because they're like, you're out of your mind. I'm like, no, 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 no. This stuff really, really helped. Modern medicine failed me. The Paxil, mm-hmm. the Letrozole, all the, or, or not Letrozole shit, all the other ones that they put you on, like <laughs> talking about anti-A's, crushed sex drive, but all that failed for me. And therapy is only as good as the work you want to do. If you don't have a therapist who's want to sit you down and be like, hey, shut the fuck up. You're full of shit. Dig deeper, dig deeper. If you don't get that kind of therapist, you will not do good in therapy. I've dated more therapists than I have women in my life. It's been an outstanding thing that I've come to <laughs> come to find out. But with you, what was the psychedelics? Did that open up that spiritual pathway? Because when you start talking about the soul, you know, I was like, yeah, I could relate to it. But before I did psychedelics, I could tell you that I didn't really give a shit about if I lived or not. Like you could have put a gun in my head. I'm like, thanks. That's helping me out, actually. Yeah. You know what I mean? So what was it for you that psychedelics really changed? Everything. Good. Let's have this discussion. So my girlfriend at the time and I, the first time we did sh- you know, shrooms was our first psychedelic experience. We just sat on a beach in Key West and took them and watched the sunset, ton of clouds, just fucking cracking up, having a great time. It was amazing. And so my first couple uses was like, psychedelics were very serious they were very they were very respecting of the medicine and what it did i sat down outside in nature with intentions didn't really try to control the the experience i allowed it to show me what it needed to show me because i think that that's the thing with psychedelics is they will show you what you need to see whether you're ready to see it or not correct and that scares people and when people try to regain control of an experience when they're in it is when they freak out and have bad trips and then it's really easy for their because it, it's 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 a threat to the ego and the story that we've told ourselves and so once we have a bad trip and the ego gets a really easy scapegoat could say no 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 we don't do psychedelics i had a bad trip i don't want to do them anymore and so now the ego continues to control our lives and we find ourselves in loopholes where we keep quote unquote self-sabotaging and the same thing keeps happening over and over and over again. And we always put ourselves on the victim side saying, why does this always happen to me? And it's very interesting. Why does the same thing always happen to you? It's almost like you want it to continue to happen to you and continuously put yourself in positions where you are subconsciously creating the same scenario to happen over and over and over again. And then it reinforces the victim story that you want to have in the first place, because if everything happens to me and poor me, then I don't have to be in control of everything. But that that is actually putting me in control because I'm controlling the misery that I keep myself in. And so it's this weird fucked up paradox that we go through and subconscious, or I'm sorry, psychedelics kind of lift the veil of the subconscious and you get to see things and it removes the ego. You stop judging yourself. You stop questioning things and you start having a lot more, you start to give yourself a lot more grace and understanding Mm -hmm. of why you did what you did. And then you understand it because we shame and guilt ourselves when we make mistakes. And then it creates a distance from us to be able to actually navigate that and change the desire. And so it's it's almost like they're a mediator between you and your subconscious and the mistakes. And they sit you down and they make you guys hash it out. And then you hug and you move forward in the relationships better. But what it also did for me was it allowed me to connect to things that were not of this realm. And a lot of people can call that crazy. A lot of people can say, you know, drugs are just brought in your brain or whatnot. But I have also utilized a significant amount of psychedelics. I've done 5-MeO-DMT. And oh, how was, was it? It was an unreal experience. I, yeah, the peyote was that for me too. I did it with some Indians. So I get yeah, it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I went right. into that experience basically with the intent because God, God was just putting insane downloads in my head of like, this is what you need. This is what I need you to build next. And I'm I'm over here going, there's no way I'm that guy. There's no, there's no way that like, you got the wrong guy. You, you messed up. And so I went into the DMT with the intention of getting clarity on this message and as I smoked to this DMT, I just felt the fabric of reality just completely dissolve. And it felt like God grabbed me by my shirt and just lifted me up into the air. And I asked him questions. It was like, 
why me? And he literally just said, because I said so and dropped me and I fell back down to earth and woke up. It was, it was just an insane experience, but it, all of these things that I have done and, you know, I've experienced an ego death with psychedelics where I literally thought that I died, came back to life and then realizing every part of your psych evolves as your consciousness evolves. Correct. So as we become more enlightened, our ego becomes significantly more advanced as well. And it learns how to play new tricks on us to try to get us back into the old way of doing things. So being able to really psychoanalyze myself and say, ah, this is me falling back into a cycle that I've always been in before of self-sabotage or distancing myself in a relationship so that I can reinforce feeling lonely because that's where I'm actually comfortable because I felt so lonely as a kid. So my subconscious is recreating it in my day-to-day life and men are better as lone wolves. And so it makes me look better. It just, it just allows you to see everything under a microscope and really be able to decide what you want to keep and what you don't. That lone wolf mentality is something that I have struggled with. I'm telling you, psychedelic, he's not wrong. Psychedelic shatters that shit. Like, I'll be honest with you. I recorded a three second video on Saturday of my friends at my house and I was smiling the whole time. Like I finally was able to get the friends that I wanted to have for myself and have the relationships I wanted to have. And they were all gathered in one room. And I don't believe without psychedelics, Jeff, because I was a lot like you fuck everybody and anything who crosses my path. I'll burn it to the ground to show you. And I could tell you five years later after doing these drugs, I don't even think remotely that same anymore. I think more like it's sad that you look at it that way. And I just walk off of it because I know the capability that men and relationships can have now. That's what feeds that underdog mentality. It's like everyone's against you. Everyone's talking about you. You got to prove it. And I I, got to say, you know, you and I and, you know, Jason, we've had our disagreements in the past, but I'm fucking lucky to to have you two. You two are like my only fucking friends in this industry. Honestly, it's a tough industry. I think the four of us can agree with that, man. Like, I mean, you feel like you've always got to have like the 300 shields. Like, you know, you're like, you know, just about to get your ass whipped at all times. I'm very happy that we are still together, you know? Well, um, go ahead, Nick. I was going to say that the fitness industry is there's a lot of wounding in the industry. And when people are wounded, when an animal is wounded and you go to tend to its wounds, it bites you, right? Yeah. It's in its nature. And you don't, you don't damn the dog. You don't say the dog needs to get put down and you understand, Hey, this dog is wounded and he's just in fight or flight right now. And I saw that a lot. And I was, I was one of them. It was so much easier for me to try to tear everybody else down because I was not strong enough and I didn't feel empowered enough in myself to actually bring people in and empower them to go be successful because I thought that it took away from my success and my status. So if somebody said, oh, that's a really amazing coach, my first response was, yeah, but I heard, you know, I saw this protocol and it's this and he's, you know, they're bullshit. (laughs) That's the whole industry, though. Everybody fucking does that. Yeah. Let me take the context that that supports me and my my self image right now in this conversation and run with it instead of actually just supporting somebody else who's a good coach and understanding that doesn't take away from me at all. Agreed. Hey, I have one final question and then I'll pass it to them to each ask their own since we're getting close. But I would love to have you back on and have like more of a deep dive like about the upper level of business, because I think that's an area that like our space is missing with men like us. Like there's that, you know, like when you, once you get to a certain number, like what's next, like what really should I be looking at? Right. I would love to come on. Like, cause for me, I've just put all my worth into creating for my community now in Nashville. Like I want the most impact in the 615. Um, But my question to you is if anyone had a takeaway now, what could someone do right now as a man to improve their worth? Would it be their attitude, their belief in self? Like if you had just one person who said, what can I walk away with today to improve my worth? to help me take that one step forward, what advice would you give them? I would say your true worth is a byproduct of your character. And nowadays, men would rather be envied for their material success than respected for their character. I fucking 100% agree with that. I I see that all the time. Jason, do you have a final question you would like to ask him? Well, you know, I mean, we, we brought Nick on, you know, to talk men's health and we've done a lot of that. Um, it's been eye opening for me and, you know, some things maybe that I can work on. Um, cause I know that those two pillars are definitely grown higher than the other two. Um, but I guess, you know, what do you think 
causes men to not seek out help. And then, uh, you know, cause this was about like, this is a, a talking about suicide, like this month, what do you think causes men to not seek out help? You know, because therapy's a lot less taboo. I mean, I get it in my dad's age and era. It was like, oh, you don't go talk to, but you know, I've been to therapy, Jeff, all the two Jeffs have, I don't know if you have, but I think you said I you have. had. Um, I have. So, I mean, we sought it out. Like what, why do you, what do you think causes men to just bottle up so, and not seek out? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, well, so when I did therapy, I was, I just didn't have anybody else to talk to truly mm-hmm. when I, and when I, I lived in Texas, I didn't share this on this podcast, but I also had a gun barrel to my head and mm-hmm. almost pulled the trigger. I was right there. I was yeah. right there. Um, and that was really fucking hard. That was really hard. And what I realized, and I actually, I wrote a suicide note and it's still in the notes on my phone. And I convinced myself that my death could be a martyr for other people in my position to actually get help because I just couldn't handle it anymore. And um, I actually haven't opened that note since I wrote it now that I think about it. But my perception of it was I was the leader. I was the alpha. I was the one who was, you know, the quote unquote most successful in my friend group. Everybody called me dad. All of my clients called me when they had problems. Nobody ever reached out to just say, Hey, how are you doing? And so I convinced, I convinced myself that nobody has the capacity to hear me out. And if I do, if as a man, I show this weakness, I show this struggle, then they are no longer going to see me as an authority figure. And then I, I am going I to lose that. them. Yeah. They're going to lose, I'm going to lose my business. I'm going to like, they're not going to see me the same. And then my ability to lead them is now gone. And so I need to fucking stay strong. I have to shake this off. And I'm working at my desk, literally having these thoughts of, man, if I just went and got a gun and shot myself, I just would not have to worry about this anymore. It would be quiet. And I'm giving check-ins and I'm on Zoom calls and all these people are telling me about their problems. And inside I'm like, fuck, I wish that that was my problem. Yeah. And so I just continuously convinced myself, I am not allowed. I have to be strong for all of these other people. And it almost cost me my life. And when I didn't pull that trigger, I instantly thought about how many people do. Mm -hmm. And so if a message, one message that I speak on one podcast can make one person put that gun down. It's a life well lived. Yeah. And so this is also just the same paradox of men where everybody says, Hey, we, you know, we want you to be vulnerable. We want you to, to share things. And what's interesting is nobody pays attention to your pain, but everybody notices your mistakes. And the second you make a mistake, that's where the judgment comes into play and everybody leaves and then wonders why men don't open up about the things that they're doing in the first place. Like I said, men need to be better. Men need to do better, but women also need to do better if we're ever going to reverse the society effects that have happened on men's health. Wow, that's good insight, Jeff. Jeff Sue, what do you want to wrap up with, man? I'm giving you the the closing pitch here, man. I mean, this whole podcast has just been like exposing like skeletons. I think that I have <laughs> and Jason has, and um, it's it's. I think it's a great another. I guess sign for me because I've been having a lot of conversations lately around this topic. Um, and I think, you know, the next year I'm going to make, I mean, right now I've already made changes, but this next year I'm, I'm really optimistic about developing those other two pillars and calming down on the, on the money and the business growth and all that. And I just want to thank you so much for, you know, being real and, and sharing your journey. Because I can, I felt every fucking word that you said, man. Yeah. That's it. That's all I have to say. And, and hopefully yeah, a lot you. of our listeners who are men did as well. So. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're a male listener, you feel free to reach out any four of us at any time. More than happy yeah. to talk to you. Yeah. Please do. Yeah. yeah, please do. Nick, where can everybody find you at? Because I'm probably going to have to hit you up too. Because I think I needed yeah, someone to like pull me out of my ass at some point in this business. So. Please. I, that's my specialty is pulling men out of their own asses. Uh, so my, Do you use uh, both hands or is it just one large hand? It really, it really <laughs> depends on what's jammed up there. It really right, depends fair. on what's jammed up there. Uh, so my my username on everything is Nick Comedina. It's just my first and last name put together. Um we did just start our impact legacy mastermind, which basically covers everything that we just talked about and kind of how to practically apply that into business and your purpose. And so if that interests anybody, 
you know, the link to find that is in my profile as well. It's super low ticket. It's two ninety seven a month, and you're getting. It's not twenty thousand dollars for four months and <laughs> the promise of everything else that I've seen out there. Sounds like steel. I'll definitely hit you up. That's really good. That's that's how you know a person really is putting their money where their fucking mouth is. They're not pounding someone yeah. to to be able to help. And that's well, that's awesome. It's also to hear. something that I can scale. And so I don't right. need to charge high ticket for it. I can I can put something that everybody, there's so much value. Honestly, I could truly say that you are stupid to not be in it. Like I I can Honestly, say that to every single you are stupid to not be in the mastermind. And so with that, that allows me to help as many people as possible. Do you have guys and gals in there in our yep. shoes, you know, high end earners who are, yep. you know, quote unquote, maybe stressed a little bit? Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. You yeah, know, I think it's when you get to this position, I'll wrap it up. <clears throat> the stress comes from how much we've put on ourselves by how many people we really care about. And how much mm -hmm. impact each of us can actually create in our own areas, right? In our own communities and then abroad, like we do online. And I know I don't take that pressure lightly. And I know you gentlemen don't either. And I think that that would be great to have a community of people who kind of get that. Like, you know, holy shit, I sat in my shower the other day for 20 minutes with it on hot till it finally turned cold. And I was like knocked out of it. Like, all right, I guess I'll begin my day. <laughs> you know what I mean? So um, I really appreciate this conversation. I don't think it's talked about enough. I think that men we're naturally quiet you know we don't want to be viewed as pussies we don't want to be viewed as nope. this or that whatever word you want to call us or insert there and i'm glad that i think 2022 you're seeing the media message change because those men are starting to stand up and saying this is bullshit like i'm not anyone's enemy i'm out here having my own life my own problems my own trials my own tribulations and i'm just trying to live and do the best thing i can and it's i'm glad to see us have this conversation hopefully we got more in the future I think definitely it might be good to have a part two because something I just thought about was that the the wounded masculine that we see here is actually really harmful to to women. And that's where spousal abuse comes into play, taking away women's rights, not wanting them to be empowered whatsoever, because it it threatens the wounded masculine that we all carry around. And that's but that's a really important conversation to dive into that definitely deserves its own podcast, in my opinion. I actually have an open day. When we close this out, I'll hit you up. We'll stay on right, real quick. Awesome. Well, Nick, man, thanks for joining us, Jeff and Jason. Thanks I'll see you all next guys. week, man. No, I really appreciate right, it, thanks, dude. Nick. Appreciate it. Peace. Thank you, Nick.